we acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours. We're a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians and creatives on their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host, Simon Fink, and welcome to episode 259. Our guest for today's episode is Chicago-based rapper and songwriter McKinley Dixon. He's gearing up to release his fourth studio record this week titled Beloved Paradise Jazz. Before we get into what is a really thoughtful yet fun interview with McKinley, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever pod app that you use and that you're across all of our socials. Links for all of them can be found in today's episode show notes. Our guest today is McKinley Dixon. The Chicago-based musician, rapper and songwriter was recently hailed by The Guardian as one of 2023's most promising musical newcomers, and it is not difficult to see why. Having begun releasing music in 2015, McKinley blends jazz, hip-hop, spoken word, soul music into his project, and he brings together his lived experiences to talk about the modern American experience and uh, uses it to educate people on black history. In 2021, he released the critically acclaimed For My Mama and Anyone Who Looked Like Her. It was one of my favourite records of that year. Please do yourself a favour after this podcast or even now, go listen to that record. It is stunning. Today, McKinley is releasing the equally stunning fourth studio record of his. It is Beloved Paradise Jazz. It is another absolute beast of a record and it is one I do believe you will be seeing on a lot of year-end best of lists. In today's episode, we talk to McKinley about the influence that American poet Toni Morrison had on the record and her work. We discuss the sonics of the record and McKinley's process when he's inside the studio and being creative. We talk about some of the attention that he's been receiving lately from publications like The Guardian and from Pitchfork and how he kind of feels about that. Uh, Lastly, but definitely not least, McKinley explains why, if he does make it down to Australia anytime soon, visiting a koala is first on his list of things to do. All of McKinley's social links and where you can buy or stream the record can be found within the episode show notes. And we do want to say thank you to Lily from the Oriole Co. for her help with today's episode. Here is our conversation with McKinley Dixon. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, McKinley Dixon. Hello, sir. How are we? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you uh, so much for your time this evening, uh, where you are. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me. Just at 5 p.m. in Chicago. Lovely. What's it like in, where are we? We're in uh, somewhere around May and June. (laughs) What's it like in in (laughs) Chicago at the moment? Today, it's actually really nice. It's a a clean 66 degrees right now. Usually, it's been borderlining 45 to 50, so it's pleasant to go outside and only need a light jacket in April as we come up on April. Okay, that's not bad. That's pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, McKinley, it's a very, very exciting time um, at the moment because there is a brand new record coming out from yourself. It is Beloved Paradise Jazz. Firstly, congratulations. This is a stunning record. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. It's it's kind of a culmination of everything coming together, you know. It's not anything without the past, so this is good. It is a um it is a is it a beautiful sorry, it is a beautiful record and I want to get into some of the mechanics behind it in a second. I wanted to double check for anyone listening and then reading the title because I want to make sure I'm getting the punctuation right first because there are a few exclamation points and then a question mark <laughs> in the title as well. So is it Beloved Paradise Jazz going up at the end? <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of, I mean, honestly, the punctuations, funny enough, fluctuate depending on where they are and who's saying it and what publication sort of gets a hold <laughs> of it. But I think it's more like, it is like a jazz like, like you go upwards, you know, like a down up, you know, like not an over up. <laughs> I do love that. It is, um, again, I'm going to continue singing the praises of the record throughout this this interview. So just um, be warned. Uh, the the titles do come from the beloved American novelist Toni Morrison, um, and I think those separately were three of her books, amongst mm-hmm. many others that are. Uh, I believe, kind of inspired this record or has inspired your music quite a bit, if I'm correct. Definitely. Toni Morrison is an incredible writer, an incredible rapper, sort of influences a lot of people's work that we don't really talk about as much because she was sort of the blueprint for a lot of, a lot of at least mainstream, like, black, gothic, Catholic sort of horror in a way, which is really, really really incredible while being able to compound that with talking about love and territory and things like that is truly unmatched 100 percent. i am more than happy to admit i was a little bit late to the party but what i have read of tony morrison so far it does seem to i guess carry exactly what you've just said that there's this balance between the truth but also doing it in in a very I want to say from a place of love or from a place of positivity in a way. Definitely. Definitely. And I think, I think I love Toni Morrison because she is able to so incredibly capture the human complexity. You know, she is able to make people do things so destructively out of love and so lovingly through destruction. And I think both of those coexisting sort of allow for, allow for people to sort of see that there is no sort of right or wrong, good or bad in a lot of situations. A lot of the conversation is just complex. You know, we're all trying to exist. So I really fuck with that. 100%. I would love to know, I guess, in discussing that, in discussing kind of, I guess, yeah, the juxtaposition of having complex lyrical themes with um, what is sonically a, a very gorgeous record, how do you when you're going into your songwriting process and it might be for this record, it could have been for for the two previously. How do you kind of balance that, um, that act? Cause it is, I imagine it, it is quite difficult to be able to convey these extremely personal and, and sometimes difficult feelings while, you know, some of the sonics on this are incredibly upbeat, jazzy funk. That's hip hop. It's, it's yeah. It, I want, yeah. I want, would love to know your process, I guess. Thank you. So with songwriting, I sort of approach it in like two ways. The first way is I sort of 
will experience a moment or see something and it will strike me enough to write about it, you know? So I'll find, I'll have some sort of small passing thing that just strikes me as like beautiful. And then I try to describe it as beautifully as I can. You know, all of it sort of is me trying to describe it cinematically, theatrically, as if, as if I'm sitting there watching while I'm like, it's, it's sort of movie, you know, a lot of it is like a movie and like this album is sort of like a coming of age movie in a lot of ways. And then the other way I sort of approach it is with songwriting. I think the sound of it sounds so vulnerable, so communicative because I try to rap as if I'm having a conversation and the way to have a conversation and feel vulnerable is to feel comfortable and the way to feel comfortable is to feel vulnerable you know and i think that a lot of things sort of come back to my writing as sort of they are things i experience they're things that i feel they're now and then they go to becoming something i want to express and other people feel as much as i did with just how i say it so a lot of my songs the verses are like two or so bars that I wrote at one point and then maybe five months later saw something that inspired me again and wrote it again. And then I just sort of take them, put them around, sort of form songs based on that. I love that. Is, oh, is With that kind of method, it, do you find it ever difficult to get back into, a, I guess, a similar headspace from some of the previously written parts that you're then placing together? Or is it just kind of like a whole new, a whole new beast, if you will? Yeah, so... Honestly, I think it was, I think between For My Mama and Beloved Paradise Jazz, those were the, that was the time where I was worried about repeating what I'm saying. You know, I was worried about, oh, how do I get out of this point and go into this one without seeing it be too much from the last record? But now, sort of at this part where I'm just like, well, all of it is part of the universe that I created, so all of it is valuable and all of it should be said. You know, I, you repeat things in conversations with your friends and it's not out of a sense of, oh, I need to, I don't have any more words to say. It's more so out of a sense of like, I just want you to hear me a little bit more, you know? And that's how I view all of it. All of it is a conversation. All of it looks like me talking. I love that. I think that's a very interesting viewpoint because it sometimes can be, and both in conversation and in music, it can be that if there is repetitiveness, it could be from a point of uninspired or um, anything like that. But it, it can also be that it is maybe something that you're wanting to, yeah, clarify, you're wanting to say, this is my belief and I will, I'll continue to talk about it or, or something along those lines. Exactly. I think, I think because of how I write, there's a lot of moments where I'm just like, it's too much, you know, it's too, it's too something. It's too obvious. It's too exactly what I saw. It's too, this is too that. But when I sort of place them under the context of, well, if this record is me having a conversation with a loved one, then nothing is too much, you know, nothing is too much if you're talking to someone you love and the record is just the medium for that. 100%. Do you, do you remember your first introduction to writing? Definitely sometime when I was in high school, I was like, oh, I could do this. <laughs> I was like, this sounds cool. <laughs> Love that confidence. <laughs> I wish I really had like more of an exact moment, but it really sort of, I think I just needed a place to talk. I just needed a place to sort of express what I was thinking. And I didn't really have 
that much of a physical community a lot of the times growing up. So I would just sort of write to myself, you know, a lot of those notes became journal entries and a lot of those journal entries became eventually songs, which is now what everyone's hearing. 100%. Just, uh, I guess with that in mind, talking about journal entries and we've we've spoken about Toni Morrison, I guess, what was it that, was it, when you were journaling, when you were writing these things down, was it always kind of set to music? Could we have at some point maybe in a, another universe experienced McKinley Dixon, the, the poet or the author? Um, poetry is cool. It's just I really like music. And then books are cool, but they're just so long, you know? And I think for me, it's really <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's really nice to just be able to be like, oh, I can pinpoint this moment exactly through two and a half minutes. You know, I don't really have to do more than that because sometimes it doesn't really need more than that. I think music is a very good way to sort of be like, oh, I physically want this to go on, you know, for however long. You know, the book, you sort of leave a little bit up to the the viewer, you know, written things like that. Whereas like music, it's like, oh, no, if I don't want this to be the next thought, then I don't have to. I don't, it doesn't have to be the next thought. A lot of it is like I write a lot of my stuff not to music, so. I believe. Well, I, I I'm of the the thought that you there's a bit more control with music. You can kind of shape it and mold it a little bit. But as you said, with a, with text, it is more open for interpretation. Exactly. I think if I don't want to talk about something, I don't want to talk about something. It's done. The song's done. You know. <laughs> End. <laughs> <laughs> Do you um do you remember <laughs> do you remember your uh, your first introduction to music then I guess when you I guess first fell in love with that kind of art form I think it came in stages so for me there was different different soundtracks to different times of my life there was definitely a phase when I went through a lot of rock music a phase where I went through more musicals a phase through I, where I went to rap you know and these sort of things all have connectors in between, like between rock and musicals. I was listening to like pop punk, you know, and things like that. And then between musicals and rap, I sort of listened to a lot of like, you know, conceptual albums. And there's just a lot of music over time that has sort of inspired me to be where I'm at right now. A lot of it is like very well traveled and sort of not only distance, but time. Do you think that that helps, I guess, with with your songwriting and with your project, that the fact that um, a lot of artists we speak to these days, they are quite, um, I want to say, genre agnostic or that the fact that they kind of listen to everything and that means that when they're creating, it doesn't kind of just have to sit within one box or one genre of music. For me, so with that, I am definitely of the belief that genres slowly, much like a lot of the old world concepts, are slowly be sort of like being pushed out at the same time because there's no right or wrong, no good or bad. At the same time, for me, I love being a rapper, and I'm also of the mindset that when people say they listen to so many genres, I could tell you that I listen to so many genres. I named a bunch of genres just then, but the thing is, am I really Mm. studying those genres? You know, it's like, for me, I study rap music. Rap is the one where I'm like, what is the next point? And uh, sometimes, some other genres I studied a little bit more, but I truly listen to rap music. I mean, I do listen to a bunch of other shit, but mainly what I'm learning from is rap. And that's why I'm a rapper. 
100% and you do very well at it, sir. So <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I've discussed, this record, the Sonics are gorgeous. Um, I think it was most evident in one of the singles that came out before the record has come out, which is out now. Um, it was Tyler Forever, which it just... if Anyone who's listening to this podcast, by the way, if you do go and listen to McKinley's record, please do so with good headphones because... Yeah, this track I listened to on on a good pair of speakers or good headphones, and it just it it does it sonically bounces from jazz to hip hop. There was some soul elements in it. The breakdown I think halfway through is just <laughs> chef kiss. Um, when you're in the studio and kind of working on these tracks, is it? I guess how preordained is it that that that's sonically how it's going to go, or is it something that you kind of? cook up while in the studio and kind of discover as you're mid process of making it. So originally I did all of the stuff myself, you know, a lot of the production and things before it became this big sonic arrangement was done. Like my last albums were done usually with me where I had to choreograph, I had to make demos, I had to do this, I had to meticulously take notes. So a lot of it, I'm still in that mindset where I have a lot of really, really specific laid out sonic ideas, whether it be anything from, I, I list out all the instruments I usually want on a song after I make a voice demo. And then that after I have all the ideas and the songs and sort of the places I want them to be, I then invite collaborators and let people who play on it play whatever they want in a way, you know? So it's like, and there's obviously degrees to it because if I already got drums and bass and guitar, then the keys sort of has to play something in that realm, but you never know what it is. And I think that is why a lot of my music sort of has this really nice human touch because while I do have the ideas and the concepts and sort of the arrangements, a lot of the people playing on it sort of hear what they want to hear and then play that, you know? And then once I have a really nicely packed demo, then I go into the studio and I record all that. I really, I don't like really wasting time in the studio just because I was never, I never came up in a studio. You know, this last record, Beloved Paradise Jazz, is the first time I ever recorded in a studio. So I was like, I'm not wasting no time. I don't know how long I got this for. It might kick me out. The lights might turn off. You know, I don't know what to, what's going on in here. Like, nobody's, I mean, here it's 1 a.m., but there's nobody else here. How am I supposed to lock up? So I sort of was like, I don't really know. I just, I keep it very meticulous when it comes to that, but I do allow room for, people to find their groove. Mm-hmm. Was was it a enjoyable experience using a studio this time? Is it something that you would like to continue doing? Do you like kind of the, the combination of both, possibly studio and, and home studio? Yeah, I like sort of knocking everything out in my house and with the like with my producer, especially the one who did the last album, Sam Koff, we sort of knock everything out in the house. We do demos very back and forth, very quickly, very rapidly over the course of like several months. And then when I get to the studio, I want it to be sort of an easier feel. So since we have everything locked in, it was then like, okay, well, we just today we just got to record the guitar, the horns and the children's choir, you know, and it's like we just got three things. Sounds like it's easy, probably going to be longer than that, but at least we have <laughs> the idea, you know, and it's not the end of the world. I think the studio is nice to regulate time and sort of give me a space where everyone's like, well, I'll be damned, this is really happening, you know, instead of just going to my bedroom <laughs> and being like, well, where's the, where do I put my guitar? I'm like, just put it on my bed, I guess. <laughs> I've, I, I can definitely see your point. Sometimes... Um, uh, yeah, I feel like going into a studio, it's almost like a, a measure of success, if you will. Definitely. Definitely. It's like, I mean, yeah, this is cool, 
It was cool. It was definitely... I definitely had a time period that I had to be in there and be out of there, you know, compared to my house where there is no time period. But it was nice to have a bunch of friends come. I filmed it. I recorded the album in Richmond back from uh, before I went to Chicago. That's where I was stationed for a long time. So I had a bunch of friends come in and that was really that was beautiful as well. That's awesome. I love that. Um, I, I wanted to to touch on success just a little bit, because at the moment, again, Fantastic album, it is coming out, and I, I, not being hyperbolic, I'm not saying it just because you're here in front of me, I'll stand by these words at the end of the year <laughs> as well. I do believe that we will see this record on, on a number of um, year-end best-of lists. I'm, I'll put money on it right now. <laughs> Thank um, you. But I don't, of, of course, I don't think I'm alone in this thought, though, because it seems that um, although we're at the third album, people seem to be catching on, people seem to be catching up now. Mm. I think The Guardian named you as one of the, um, what was it, the most promising musical newcomers for this mm. year, 2023. Uh, I know that there were a number of rave reviews from your South by Southwest uh, showcase last month or the month before. And I think just this week you're announced for the, uh, what is it, Pitchfork Music Festival in London mm-hmm. for later in the year. How are you feeling about people? Because it it's a very personal project, your music, and I yeah. feel that I, I wonder what it is like seeing all these people beginning to kind of catch on and a number of people resonating with, with what you're saying as well. Yeah, numbers going up in the UK. It's crazy right now. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> a, it's it's so funny because in a lot of places it's doing really nicely, you know, but if you want to talk about where it's really hitting that, we could talk about the UK. I was talking to Craig Charles last week, just t- talking to him about stupid shit. I don't know, whatever, whatever I was just, I felt like talking about, you know what I mean? And it's just like, Things like that. So it's really it's really nice to have affirmations because I sort of came up in the DIY world where the success hindered or sex success was not hindered, hinged on how many people you sort of knew and you went to and shook their hands with, you know, and it's like for me, people ask me what it is that like what is not the key to success, but how do you get more popular? And really all it comes down to is sort of remembering everybody's name and pronouns, you know? And it's like, that's something I, I sort of had to learn when I was coming up in the DIY scene where I was dealing with folks who were also sort of getting the short end of the stick, like me as a rapper in a lot of these scenes. So seeing now that I'm doing well across the water and all these other countries is it's like an affirmation and an extension that the family sort of grows in a lot of ways, you know? So it's cool. It's definitely cool. Shouts out to the Guardian. Because I'm from, I was like, we're the Guardian. I was like, the Guardian's cool. I was like, holy shit. Ain't that the newspaper? <laughs> it is. Cool. Well, and even in preparation for today, um, those are the ones that I've just mentioned, but I did see a number of other publications kind of singing your praises and, and um, anticipation for this forthcoming record, which is, sorry, no longer forthcoming. It is out now. We'll keep that illusion up that I I mentioned before. (laughs) Um, But it does seem like it is catching on, which does kind of lead me to my next question. So I know that we're the little offshoot, further away cousin of the UK. Um, There is starting to be some press in Australia about McKinley Dixon. Can Uh. we possibly expect to see you down here, maybe touring, maybe this year, maybe next, but at, at any point in support of the record? Hell yeah, I love to go to Australia. What do you mean? Yeah, I go to Australia. I love to hang out with them koalas. 
every single musician go down there and for some reason they all find koalas and i'm just like what is how does everybody have an instagram photo with what seems to be the same goddamn koala and i'm just like i'm trying to go and do that too so i'm definitely trying to go to australia i would try to do gold coast sydney mm-hmm. We got a, what's another one? My friend, my friend's a rapper down there. I can't remember. I know Gold Coast and Sydney, so we're going to start there. Uh, mm-hmm. The other ones, the rest of it, the rest of the boroughs. We're, we're in Adelaide if you want to come visit Adelaide. us there. That's another one. Yep. <laughs> I, do all of them. I feel like, just to your point, I feel like it is almost like that we, we weirdly do. Like any musical artist that comes to visit, we almost shake their hand at the border and then give them a koala before they're allowed into the country. So I'm not sure why every we do it with everyone. Photo. But it, I'm like, how yeah. is it everybody find? Like, it, it's probably <laughs> one of those things where the moment you get there, you're just like, I want to I want to see a koala. And then, like, your manager is like, all right, all right, all right. No, me too. And then they just find the koala. <laughs> I don't know. You can't just grab them. Ain't they endangered? No. What is it? What is that? Yeah. The, they are slightly endangered, but they're also they're very slow and um, sleepy. But they're slightly dangerous themselves. It's you want to meet one in a controlled environment. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking, right? It's still a bear, so I'm just uh, yeah, just like I'm just <laughs> I'm just yeah. I'll, I'll be down to do that. I would love to go to Australia. I think I think that part of the world is. Definitely a hike to get to. It's uh, it's far mm-hmm. over there, but it's not the end of the world because there's definitely like the sort of Asia, Southeast Asia, whole part of that that is also within that realm. So it's really, really trying to get over there. One hundred percent. I think we um, that and that might even kind of play into what we just discussed about koalas. I think that we do recognize that it's a long way for people to come, so we try and be very hospitable. We try and greet them with everything that we can, including our natural wildlife. Yeah. Um, so maybe that is why. <laughs> I'd love to see a koala. I mean, a uh, koala, kangaroo. What is it? What is it? What's the, what's the, um, the armadillo that's down there? Armadillos? Is armadillos um, down there? Like a, um, I don't think we do. We have like wombats yeah. and platypuses and things wombats like that. Wombats and platypus. There it is. Yeah. Was, how did I miss, how did I miss the... <laughs> the cross of Australian animals. I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> when, when it does come time for you to come visit, we'll, we'll make sure I'll do it personally. We'll organize a day at one of the, uh, the sanctuary things and we'll get you across all the, all the animals so you can get it out in one day. I just feel like you post a picture with a koala, people automatically like, holy shit, he's really in Australia. He's really, <laughs> he did it. <laughs> <laughs> he did it. People are like, your haters are like, well, okay, this one died. <laughs> you got me with this one. <laughs> Still unfollowed, but you got me with this one. <laughs> um, I love that. <laughs> um, McKinley, usually we would ask our guests uh, what they're currently listening to. Is there anything at the moment that's kind of on high rotation for yourself? Let's check it out. I actually got Spotify right here on my computer. I got, uh, I've been listening to Dua Lipa. I love Dua Lipa. Incredible pop mm-hmm. music. Um, I've been getting into sort of... The drums, they got a record I really like recently. Uh, it came out like 2020. I'm sort of going into a lot of other genres right now as I look for inspiration for the album after this one, you know, just because, mm-hmm. you know, you find more when you're not looking, but also it's good to study other people's work, you know, and I think um, it's hard because 
you hear Dua Lipa song, you're like, oh my god, it's like, what other pop music is there? It's just incredible. But I'm trying to, trying to broaden my horizons. I listened to Char- Charlie XCX recently. That's cool. I fuck with that song, Hot in It, Hot in It, I think, with Tetsuo, 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 mm-hmm. Tetsuo. We got uh, Ariana Grande on there. They're all These are all under, under, under underrated artists. You might have never heard of them. Don't, don't even, like... <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, you know, you might, Ariana Grande is this little, this little artist, you might, you might know her, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is it, is it Grande, is it Grande? She's, she's pretty DIY. Yeah, she, I mean, she was at a house show recently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was cool. I mean, you you might not hurt her, but it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, I think as, as, as you did say, it is kind of, it's very, varied kind of like Dua Lipa to the drums. It is two very different kind of sounding acts, but it is cool to to have that variation. And as I said, a number of artists we speak to are very kind of genre agnostic these days. It's whatever is interesting them is kind of got them inspired or whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, it is cool to hear. And I do agree, Ariana Grande, Charlie XCX, also solid picks as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, I was listening to this Dua Lipa record and it's just like, oh my God, you hear it and you're like, these songs are perfectly crafted. Like, they're like perfectly made, which is so ridiculous. I mean, it's it's just as inspirational how everything sounds perfectly in place with all those songs. So I think that's the other thing about it, you know, especially with pop music. It's like, there's pop music and then there's those songs that are like made and crafted. And I think I... Well, I don't want to do that. I'm trying to f- see what it's like to be like, oh, it's a very simple beat, but because there's a shaker on the chorus that comes in for one part, that then is catchy for the whole song, you know? And I think I'm, I'm figuring it out. I'm figuring it out. It's a work in progress. Everything's a work in progress. Look, I'm very excited. Whenever I know we're talking about the third record, and so I'm not going to get too far ahead to the fourth, but I'm looking forward to hearing whatever influence those artists that we've spoken about kind of have on that and please come back to the pod when that fourth one comes out, you're more than welcome to. Um, Shoot, I'm going to do a little feature on there. I'll definitely come back to the pod. <laughs> I, 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 can't even, I'm, I don't even know what to say to that. That's, yeah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> Lily, um, write, that down, write that down. Write that down, Lily. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you um, so much for coming onto the podcast today. I do appreciate it. Um, as I've mentioned throughout this episode, congratulations on Beloved Paradise Jazz. It is a gorgeous record. We'll put all the details in the show notes so that people can listen, buy, get their hands on the record in whatever format that they can. But um, yeah, McKinley Dixon, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you for having me, Simon. It's been awesome. I appreciate it.